0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, happy Mother's Day. That was sad. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Happy Mother's Day. So I know what it is. You're so tired that you can barely raise your voice from being a mother. You know it's funny. I actually worked on something this past week because I know how much you do as mothers. And so what I did is I wrote a job description for you guys. Okay, y'all want to hear it? Like it's really a good one. Okay, so let's let's go through this. You have served as cook, nurse, counselor, policeman, clothier, gardener, interior decorator, photographer. secretary educator financial planner cheerleader spiritual advisor chauffeur seamstress telephone operator and maid and boss of the entire free world right that's what you do that's what you do thanks Hey, actually what i did this past week is i asked some of my closest friends to help me with a survey. And what we did is we did a survey of all, like just a bunch of people, and I have the top 10 things that they said about what their mother had taught them. And I want to share this, if you don't mind, for just a few minutes. The first one is this. My mother taught me about religion. How many people say, yep, that's, that's a good one. Okay, Well, hold on a second. When I spilled something on the carpet, she instructed me, you better pray that steam comes out of that carpet. She taught you about religion. How about logic? She taught me, my mother taught me about logic from her uh, uh, decisive words, because I said so, that's why, right? How about this one? Foresight, my mom taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear just in case you're in an accident. (laughs) My mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Anybody hear that one? Yeah, how about this one? My mother, none of, my mother didn't do any of these things. She may be watching online right now. My mother taught me stamina. You sit there till all your vegetables are gone. How about this one? My mother taught me about weather. It looks as if a tornado swept through your room. How many people have heard that one? Or how about this one? Do you live in a barn? How many people have heard that? Yes. Yes. Uh, my mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out of it. Uh, my mother taught me about behavioral, behavioral, that word with a B, modification. Stop acting like your father. Lots of head shaking right there, like, that was us. My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in the world who don't have a wonderful mom like you have. Number 10, this is one I wrote. I learned about legacy. I learned about legacy from the three most important women in my life. My mom, Pat Smith, who, like I said, is probably watching online right now, or hopefully she's watching online. I learned about legacy from Gina's mom, Miss Linda, Mom Linda. I've learned about legacy. As a matter of fact, if you were to come over to my house, which I don't want you coming over to my house, (laughs) not all of you at one time at least, there is a prayer that's up on the wall that, 30 years ago, I learned, because of being with her family, gracious Lord, pardon our sins, accept our thanks for these and all the many blessings, in Christ's sake, amen. It's a legacy that she's left. And we go through our whole life, and we think through that, and we pray it all the time, and we'll probably pray it today. When Gina's mom and my family come over to our house this afternoon, we'll probably pray that prayer. And then from Gina, I've learned legacy too. I've learned what she and how she's instilled in our three daughters a sense of destiny, a sense of purpose, a sense of plan, in a sense of protection. That word legacy is really a cool word. It's, 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 it's about what we learn and how we learn it. It's what we leave behind. That's legacy, directly or indirectly. However it is, that's, that's what a legacy is. Um, a couple of years ago, I was doing the funeral service and. Um, I'm not trying to, uh, try to be morbid or anything on Mother's Day, but uh, a normal funeral service would look something like uh, a preacher would get up and he would say a, few, say, say a few kind words and they would read a scripture or two from the Old Testament, New Testament, and then they would pray. And directly following that, what would happen, There, there was generally, there's generally a song and then maybe a video presentation. But the part that sometimes gets a little awkward in a funeral is when people get up. And one of the things I don't do as a pastor, I don't do open mic night at funerals because you never know what people are going to say. And I always try to find three. People are going, did he just say open mic nut? Yes, I did. <laughs> but what I, I always try to do is get three or four people that know whoever that person is really well. And it's always best if it's kids or family members. And I remember this funeral. as an elderly lady. She was probably in her late 80s. And it was the most impactful funeral I've ever been at in my life. Her family got up, and I'm talking about, they talked about what a legacy she left with her, her she was a teacher, how she left a legacy with you know, 25 or 30 years of kids, about the legacies she left in her family, the legacy she left you know, in her church, and literally was leaving legacies everywhere she went. And usually what happens after that point, there's usually another song, and then preacher, I get up and I start saying a few words. And I usually have about 25 or 35 minutes, but I had nothing to say after they got done because what they said was so impactful. I literally read two scriptures. I read Hebrews chapter 11, and it just says this. It says, though they're yet dead, and it's talking about Cain and Abel. We know the story of Cain and Abel. Though they're yet dead, they still speak. And I remember saying, your mother, your grandmother, your aunt, your, your you know your, your sister, she left such a legacy that that, that her legacy is still speaking long after, and, and it's up to us. It's up to you. It's the dash between the birth date and the death date. Like, what are you gonna do with that dash? And then I... I read Psalms 12, 112 where Moses says, teach us the number of days are right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I just said, that is what life is about. And what you heard is a legacy. And it's interesting to me because even though we don't choose how we start life or how we end life, we get to choose how we live life, don't we? We may not know our birth date and we don't know our death date, but everything in between is up to us to decide how we're gonna live it. So how are we gonna live it? It's, it's really, it's the how we live it that will determine what somebody thinks of us when they're staring at the etched name in a a headstone. Or what generations long, you'll never know their names, you'll never know where they live, but what they will say about you is about how we live our lives. So today is Mother's Day. And by all means, we wanna honor mothers. And we we thank you for what you've done. My mom, I thank her. You know, My mother-in-law for 30, I thank. But today's message is not just about mothers, it's about all of us leaving the legacy that God has instilled in us to next generations. So whether you're a father, you're a mother, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're, you're whatever, a brother, you're, you're whatever you are, you have the ability, I have the ability to leave a legacy. And the first thing I want us to get, because we're going to look at three snapshots from the Gospels today. There's three stories in the Bible that are directly related to Mary, the mother of Jesus and Jesus And how Jesus looked at Mary and how Jesus learned from Mary and how, you know, certain aspects of Mary, the personalities, how he gathered that information. And the first thing I want everyone to get is Jesus. Now, this seems kind of basic, but to some of us in our little little heads, Jesus learned from Mary. Now, here's the deal. I want you to get this. In our minds in church, we have this, this mentality. We have this picture of how Jesus is, that there's just the deity of Jesus, like Jesus literally came down and he had the white robe and he had the little halo thing above his head and everything was like heaven. Like, like he came out of the womb saying, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Jesus was a baby. We even sing, I'm gonna say stupid song. I didn't mean to say it. We even sing a song that says this. The little Lord Jesus, no crying, he. Lie. <laughs> lie, liar." lie. He was a baby. I don't know how long you've been removed from babies. They cry, and they poop. I, ask, I think I was asking Alan, did Jesus go through puberty? <laughs> Could you imagine raising Jesus, trying to give him a bath? Get down in the water, Jesus. <laughs> right? Everything that you've had to do with your children... Mary and Joseph had to do with Jesus. And we forget about that. We forget about the 100% man part. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to add. He had to learn to subtract. He had to go through his first love, puppy love. Whatever it was that Jesus had to do as a man, he went through. We forget about that. But in this process, who taught him these things? It was Mary. It was Joseph. As a matter of fact, about the time that Jesus was probably 13 or 14 years old, theologians think that Joseph passed away, so his mother literally raised him, walked him all the way through the cross. And, and, and it was important because when Jesus was a small child, they instilled something in him from the very, like from, from, from eight days old. It was the time of, of, of cleansing, it says. And so they take Jesus to, the, to, the, to, the, uh, to be circumcised. Luke chapter 2, verse 22, think about the foundation. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, talking about circumcision, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him before the Lord. So at eight days old, he was in church. You heard, if you were here last week, if you didn't hear it, go back and watch it. My, my, one of my kids um, works here at the church, and Lindsay was on the far side of me. And I didn't even realize this dialogue happened until actually Ellen said something to me afterwards. I was talking about, I said, I said, so when did you start serving? She said, we've been here all our lives. Like, we've, we've been serving since we were little, little kids. And I said, because we have to, right? We have to. And you know what I realized? It's not because we have to. My kids wanted to because they watched mom and dad serve. They watched mom and dad have life impact in people's lives. They watched their dash unfold in front of them. What would happen if all of us did that? And so Jesus is being taken for circumcision. So from eight days old, he has been in church. Luke chapter two thirty nine and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord they returned into Galilee to their town of Nazareth. Now I must say something. You're going to go. You're going to go crazy. If there's ever been a child who could be left behind to live life on their own, it would be Jesus. But they didn't do it because he had to be brought in in, 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 in and 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 taught all these things. Everything they did, I have a feeling they made a strong connection to faith. Mary and and Joseph made a strong connection back to their faith. They followed the ritual. They presented him in the temple. They knew it was their responsibility to bring this child up in the way of the Lord. Can, Can I throw something out? And if you want to write something down, write this part down right here, okay? You are an influencer. You may never have a YouTube channel or, 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 or an Instagram account, but you have a greater influence in the world that you live in. It's called your kids. It's called my kids. I, one of the reasons I've gotten off of Facebook and I don't, I don't do that stuff because that's not what God's called me to be. God has not called me to be a Facebook preacher, but you know what God's called me to be? Declarator of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a husband to my, my, my fantastic wife and a dad to my three kids. That's what he's called me to be. I can spend all day long worrying about what I'm going to write on Facebook, or I could be actually living some of it out. In our world, what happens is we forget that we're the greatest influencers in our kids. We want to influence everybody else, but we forget the ones that are underneath our roof. I had a conversation with a friend of mine last week, and, and I don't want anybody getting their mad. See, that, you know what that's called, y'all? Filter. Filter. I'm working on it. But the conversation went something like this. This is somebody saying this to me, okay? I have nobody in this. They're not even in, they don't come to this church. They've been a friend of mine for about 25 or 30 years. They said, Bobby, I think we, we missed something. I was like, What are you talking about? I think, I think we screwed up. I said, Well, what do you, what do you mean? He said, when, when our kids were small, they had kids, they have kids our age, um, not my age, but they kids of our, our, like our age kids. And they said we were in church every time, every time, and we, we would take them on Sundays, and we would make sure they were youth group, and they were children's ministry, and vacation Bible schools, and they were all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, they started getting a little bit older. Remember, I'm, I'm not the one saying this. Okay, this is somebody telling me this. Their biggest mistake in life, he said. They started getting talents. They started. We started realizing that they were good at cheerleading. They were good at dancing. They were good at soccer. They were good at baseball. And you know what started happening? We started traveling all over the Southeast, taking our kids everywhere they needed to be for these games. And before you know it, you know what happened? We stopped going to church. And at first it was just, you know, like we would, we would be at church whenever we went in town. But then it got to the point it was just easy just to miss church. And then before you know what happened, they stopped going to church. And now they're trying to get their kids back into the church. And they said, our kids have no interest in going to church because it was never of value when they were growing up. If you don't make it a value, it'll never be their value. It'll never be their conviction. If you don't make it your value to be. Th- Listen, you've got to hear me on this. We're raising a generation of kids that will never play professional baseball or professional cheerleading, and we're not worried about eternity, about where they're going to spend the rest of their lives. Now, I was an athlete, I love playing sports. But the percentage of people that actually get to do that is so minute. The percentage of people that know Jesus Christ that get to go to heaven is 100%. Yeah, right. And that's what we should be raising. That's the legacy we should be leaving. I can hear it now. If you're mad at what I just said, uh, Gretchen Shaw at journeycommunity.net. She'll make sure I get it. <laughs> you know what? Can I, give you, can I just give you, can I give you a dad thing? Can I, can I just give you a dad thing? Not them stupid ones on TikTok. Just a dad thing. Okay, just a dad thing. I like some of those too. Please send them. My, my oldest daughter, she thinks that I live on TikTok because every couple day days I get a TikTok like, dad in Home Depot, dad walking on the walk with his wife and look at that plant. And I'm like, shh, we're not like that. And they're like, you're exactly like that. <laughs> Part of teaching is also learning. So part of being a teacher, you're also a learner. And one of the things that we have to learn as parents is also when to let go. When to start turning the reins over and allowing them to be their own kid or be their own person. Another snapshot, Jesus and his family go to the temple. It's the time of year to go to the temple. And they're not getting prizes for mom and dad of the year because they lost Jesus. I don't know how you lose Jesus. I'm thinking it's a pretty biggie, okay? Okay. When they get to heaven, which I'm thinking they're there now, and God the Father goes, Mary, what happened with Jesus? You know, like, (laughs) but here's the deal. And so can I just say something? A 12-year-old in that culture is a lot different than a 12-year-old in this culture, too. A 12-year-old in that culture was one year from being a man. A 12-year-old in this culture is still wearing a helmet when he rides his bike, he still has to be told to brush his teeth, and he doesn't know that he needs a shower. Hey, recovering youth pastors, middle school students, 12 or 13 years old, they stank. Stanky, stanky. Like, that's why I got out of ministry, out of student ministry, because kids stink. It wasn't anything else. Love preaching the gospel, love, right? That's why you're an executive pastor. That's why you're, because kids stink. Could you imagine this conversation, Mary? Where's Jesus? I don't know. Joseph, where's Jesus? Okay, it happens. I did it three times. <laughs> but I name, mean, Pastor Bobby? Yeah. Do you know where Bethany is? Yep, with Gina. And no, she's not. She's sitting here on the curb with me, thinking she was going home with you. <laughs> Dad of the year. Whose kid's that? out. <laughs> I hope you never get left. <laughs> hey, you want to hear something really cool? So he's in the temple. They find him, and he's in the temple. And this is what he says. You want to talk about wins? These are two wins right here. This would be fantastic if our kids said this to us one day, or your kids said it to you one day. So Luke chapter 2, 48 says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Wouldn't that be amazing? That when we look at our kids, we can go, man, I'm astonished. I'm astonished at what great you know, citizens, I'm, I'm, astonished, I'm astonished at what a great man, I'm, I'm astonished of their, their level of faith that they have. Do you know how humbling it is to be on staff with one of your children and watch God grow a young, a young woman and the person that she's called to be? Like, there's times I've just said, and I love it when people go, you did such a great job. I don't think we did anything. I think God just did an amazing job. And I look at all our kids and just go, I'm astonished at how hard they work and what they what they, what they they see as values. And it says this, and, and he said to them, we were, why were you looking? Because you're my kid is why I was looking for you. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I was? and I must be in my father's house. I can't get out of there. I know there's something different about me. I just haven't put my fingers on it yet. And so not just a natural riding the bike and walking and talking and subtraction and addition. Joseph and Mary were instilling key spiritual values in the, into Jesus. And it says in verse 51, and he went down with them to, uh, and he came to Nazareth and, uh, and, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. So there was even something lacking in Jesus on this side of eternity that he had to grow in those things. And his mom and dad were the ones that were called to do those. They had to loosen their grip though. Every parent, every parent in this room, we need to learn how to loosen our grip a little bit, don't we? Hey, how many people remember this? Do you remember the first time that your kid pulled his hand or her hand away from you when you were walking them down the road? Do you remember that feeling? It was gut-wrenching, wasn't it? You were thinking, I hope they're prepared. I hope they're ready. How about this? How about the first time your son or daughter went out at night on their own? Like, I remember that night. I remember my heart going from here to here. Some of you haven't dealt with that yet. Oh my gosh, therapy. Therapy how about this? How about the first time they drive a car by themselves? See, part of being and growing is also learning. And so for, for them to be the best, we have to learn. We have to put ourselves in a position. So Jesus learned from Mary. The second thing is Jesus listened to Mary. Jesus listened to Mary. I have a friend uh, his, his name is Ozzy. is a messianic Jew, which means he believes in Jesus Christ, but he still follows a lot of Jewish cu- customs. And he said to me um, years ago, he's a good friend of mine. He said to me years ago, he said, "You know what happened?" I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Well, there's 18 years or so from the time that Jesus is at the temple when he gets lost until we see the first miracle in Canaan." He said, "18 years." He goes, "I'm a Jewish, I'm a Jewish kid. You know what happened? His mama grounded him. <laughs> 18 years." and i was like Oz, ah, that's not the case man i think there's a i think there's another i think there's another truth here though I and mean, if you have a bible i would really like for you to go to this if not it's going to be on the side screens but it's john chapter 2 verse 1 and it's a big block and i'll i'll read it first and i'll go back and kind of break it down it says on the third day there was a wedding at Canaan in galilee and the mother of jesus was there she jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples when the wine ran out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine and jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. Um, um, just go down to Circle K and go get, go, get a, go get some Boone's Farm and we'll be all good. And that's not in there. I was just throwing that in there just in case. <laughs> Welcome to Journey. Um, his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Um, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water and they filled them up uh, to the brim and verse 8 says he said to them now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast so they took it out and when the master of the feast tasted the water now became wine and did not know where it came from though the servants who had drawn the water knew the masters of the feast called the bridegroom, and watch this, and he said to them, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. I gotta stop for a second, okay, because this has nothing to do with the message. It has nothing to do with Father's Day, Mother's Day. It has nothing to do with Christmas or Easter, but there's a really cool truth right here that I, I think we need to get, okay? It's really, really important. So what would generally happen in customs is they would bring out the good stuff, and when everybody was drunk, they would bring the cheap wine in, and they would just like let everybody have a, and everybody was happy to have a good time. What he's saying right there is it was the cheap wine that started out with, and the wine that Jesus just made out of the water from the clay jars was actually better than what was originally there. Now we go, we don't understand that, but there's a spiritual truth here. Let me just say it. I'll say it, and then I'll talk about it. This is the spiritual truth. I believe the best is yet to come in our lives. I believe God has saved the best for last, that our lives may be or seemingly like the sawny water, but he's about to turn it into Dom Perion. He's about to change us from the inside out. He's about to do something special in our lives if we, win, because he saves the best for last, and he's still a God that saves the best for last. Somebody should say amen to that right now. In your life, it may be a disaster right now, but it's about to be a masterpiece. When you turn your life over to Christ, you may be battling addiction or problems or struggles or whatever you want to call them. I'm telling you, you turn them over to the Lordship of Christ. He turns it into a beautiful wine. That's the way he does it. Now, let's go back to the story. This, the first signs, see, that's how my brain works. ADD, squirrel, let's go back. The first of his signs, Jesus did in Canaan and Galilee and manifest his glory, and his disciples believed him. okay the wine runs out of the party. No big deal. Just send somebody to Kroger, right? First of all, no Kroger's. Secondly, it was a huge offense that if you invited people, who knows why they ran out. Maybe it's because they invited five more people. Jesus brought him and the four disciples and then his mom was there, so six total. Maybe they drank the wine. Maybe, I don't know what happened that day. But, but it's a major offense to the point in some cultures, if you run out, Death. That's how big it is. If the wine was not, that the, the caterer or you as the host, you as the bridegroom's parents, you are supposed to uh, supply all that stuff. And if you don't, you're an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. So Mary comes to Jesus. Said so they run out of wine. And he simply says, in effect, what does that have to do with me? And I love the one scripture says woman. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> don't be messing with Mary like that. Now, in our culture, it's called an idiom. When it when it means one thing in one culture, but it really doesn't mean this, the same thing in another culture. So, we, we have to understand the words. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, my time. I don't think it's ready. I don't think I'm ready to do this yet. It's not time yet. And I love what Mary does. Mary doesn't address Jesus. Goes to the servants. You do whatever he tells you to do. If he tells you to take that water, those water that clears jars out, you bring them back and you have them things filled up. And we know the rest of the story. So the water turned into wine. And so what truth is that for today? It's a huge truth. Mary saw something in Jesus that Jesus himself didn't even see yet. Think through that. That Jesus, the son of God, was still 100% man in that body in that moment. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. And the God of the entire universe, the one that he gave the child through a virgin, the one that pondered in her heart these great things, could you imagine that? Can you imagine the pondering in her heart? Over and over again, we see it two different times in Scripture where she pondered. We see it when at, she's at the cross. She's looking at the cross, and she's pondering those things. I believe she's pondering all the promises that the angel of the Lord had given her, that your, your son is going to be a Messiah. Your son's going to walk on water. He's going to raise uh, the, the dead. He's going to heal the sick. And so in her mind, she's going through all these things, but Jesus didn't even see it yet. It wasn't until that moment, and I don't know how it happened, did Jesus go, thanks, Mom. Like, I didn't see it yet, but thanks. Because I imagine that miracle, because a lot of theologians think it was a useless miracle. I think it was a miracle to get the ball started in the miracles that Jesus was going to do in his life. And it was his mom. Which I, then leads me to the third thing. And this is the big one. And some of you are going, listen, my kids are out of the house. and Man, I do you know. Hey, here's the deal. Most of us still have moms. Most of us still have dads. And, and, and just put this on pause for a second. You may ha- have had the worst upbringing of everybody that's ever walked the planet. Can I tell you something? Break the cycle, then. That's right. Break the cycle. The Bible says you're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are not what you used to be. You're not the cycle of what the bad things that happened in your past. You get to choose today, maybe, what you want to do, who you want to be, how you want to walk through life. That's your choice. Stop stop blaming everybody for rigid potty training. Get up on your feet and do what God's called you to do. Some of you are going, I can't believe he just said that. Somebody needs to say it. You are not what you used to be. You are more than a conqueror. That's what Christ calls us. More than a conqueror. So here's the third thing. Jesus looked after Mary. Just let that settle in for a second. He gets arrested by the Roman government. It's being paraded through the town and mom's watching. Could you imagine that? She watches him get beat. She watches him be nailed to a cross. She watches him be put up. And by the way, she's the only one there. Everybody else abandoned. All the other disciples, all the followers, they abandoned Jesus. It was mom. And in that moment, where where he could have been extremely selfish and worried about him and him alone, he, he had such a love for his mother, his earthly mother. I don't think, when, when she was pondering, I don't think she was pondering this right here. He, he saw the distraught look on her face. He knew that the heartbreak that was happening. And in that moment right there, this is what he says to John. It's one of the most powerful things. In John 19, 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, Then he said to his disciples, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple, John, took her to his own home. He couldn't die on the cross until he knew his mama was taken care of. Think about that. Some of us in this room have aging parents. And I say us. And I can tell, I I, I can tell you, how embarrassed I am sometimes of how I've, how I've been as a son. I don't know about you guys, but when I was 16, my dad was the stupidest guy that walked the planet. My dad's here somewhere. When I was 24, I didn't think anybody could get any stupider, if that's a word, than when I was 16 or 17. But somehow or another, my dad did. At 55 years old. You know one of the first people I call when I'm going through something or I need a question answered? I call my dad. I call my dad. And he doesn't always offer the right advice, I can promise you. (laughs) But you know what I do know? He always has my best interest in mind. And he always does his best when he gives me answers. See, when you start to get my age 40, 50, 60, 70, you start thinking about those things. You start thinking about aging parents. And one of the thoughts that's come across my mind a lot lately is I can never repay my dad, my mom, what I owe them. I can never repay Gina's mom, how she took me into a family, a Yankee boy into a Southern family. There is a God. They just wanted me around to see how funny I talked. Hey, say that word again. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Water. Tournament. Say that again, Bobby. (laughs) But you know something? I can never repay them. But I should try. I should try. I should try to tell them how much I appreciate everything they've done for me and how I wouldn't be standing on this stage right now if it wasn't for my dad hearing the call of God in 1988 to move his family from New Jersey to Grovetown, Georgia. If he didn't accept the call to start another church, I would never be standing here right now. That's legacy. He may never preach a message on this stage, but through his kids and his grandkids, he's preaching messages every week. A few years ago, I came across a book that kind of sums this whole message up. Because just give me a minute, I'd like to read it to you. It's a children's book, and it's called Love You Forever. mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The baby grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until two years old and he ran all over the house. He pulled the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator and he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Been there, done that. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at night, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she'd pick him up and rock him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was nine years old and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. (laughs) But at nighttime when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when she rocked him, she sang, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you will be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in the zoo. But at nighttime, when a teenager would fall asleep, the mother opened the door to his room. He crawled across the floor and looked up over the side of the bed. If he was really asleep, she'd pick him up, that great big boy, and rock him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I love you forever. I like you for always as long as I'm living, my baby shall be. The teenager grew. He grew and he grew and he grew and he grew grew until he was a grown up man. He left the house and he got a house across town. But sometimes on dark nights, the mother got into the car and drove across town. If all the lights in her son's house were up, she opened the bedroom window, crawled across the floor. (laughs) I didn't write it. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I love you forever, I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. And one day she called up her son and said, you better come see me because I'm very sick and I'm very old. So the son came to see her. When he came to the door, she tried to sing the song. She sang, I love you forever, I like you for always. But she couldn't finish because she was just too old and weak. The son went to his mother, picked her up and rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he sang the song, I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. When the son came home that night, he stood for a long time. At the top of the stairs, then he went into the room where his very new baby daughter was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms, and very slowly rocked back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while he rocked her, he sang, "I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm, with you. my baby." God, in this moment right here. I have a feeling that every person in this room desires to leave a legacy. The first step that all of us all of us have to take, and I think the legacy starter is the legacy of faith in you, Jesus. And that's the greatest legacy we can pass. And God, some of us in this room are standing on his word that your word will never come back void. That God, you're still in the business of changing and doing things. Where we've made mistakes, God, you can make up for it and you can make those good things. I I pray, God, personally, I pray right now that I would give you every aspect of my life because I want to leave a legacy. I don't want I don't want my life to go through my whole life, God, and it not be of value to the people around this community and this world and my family. God, I relinquish control right now and I give you control. And I'm gonna take these three spiritual truths, God. If it was good enough for Jesus to learn from Mary, to listen to Mary, and to be attentive to take care of Mary, it's something that I should instill in my life. It's something that I should do in the people's lives around me. And so I pray, God, that it would not be just another Mother's Day, not just another holiday, not just the day that we bring cards and flowers, that it would be a day that we turn our lives over to you in a way so we can make you famous in our families first, in the people that are in proximity to us, God, our friends, God, the people that work with us and then eventually into our community. I pray that you would use us. And I pray just like I was at that funeral, God. And I heard these great stories about this amazing mother. God, I pray that those would be the stories of every person in this room when that day comes. And God, I believe the only way that happens is when we we live for you first. I pray that we would do that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at journeycommunity.net.